hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Well, hello and welcome back to Hamster with a Blunt Penknife. I'm Cy Hart and I've been brought back by popular demand, apparently, to join Joe. I have received Say hello, Joe. I have received letters in the post every day since your leisure hive thing demanding that you're back on this thing. So wow, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't believe it. I, I mean, I mean, okay, I haven't received a hundred letters, but I have actually received a ton of messages and tweets and your episodes like were amazing. There was like a, a huge buzz of positivity around them, um, and. I'm not at all surprised, frankly. You're a top bloke, and so I can see why. Oh, thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, and I'm just really pleased that some people have now realised what a brilliant story that is. Well, the leisure, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. some, some people even said that to me, that, that they got back and watched it and reevaluated it. Yeah, that's quite a compliment, isn't it? I'll tell you what, Si, we're doing some good here, you know. We're doing some good positive work. Which is which hopefully will rub off on this particularly this particular story, which oh, is a bit yes. divisive. It is, isn't it? Well, it's, it's a story which, well, you know, what I, I, I've put pictures all over Twitter today, so anyone in the know knows. <laughs> but it's the story that um, has circled the drain for many, many years, isn't it? Oh, definitely. It's, yeah, it's been hated, it's been re-evaluated, and it's been averaged out it, yeah it's been sort of all over the place and i'm not quite sure what its current standing is i think it's one, i think uh, it's sort of near the middle of the pack now i think it's yeah. gone from the bottom to the middle and hopefully one day it'll be near the top mm -hmm. um what do you yeah. tell me about turkeys ah now yes now back in 1988 in doctor who magazine one of the most controversial articles they ever produced was an article called 25 Years of Turkeys, where they counted down the 10 worst Doctor Who stories. And bizarrely, this story came top, which just seems completely unbelievable. It is. It is a, and do you know what? We're going as long as possible here about actually naming the story, which I love. And my story is <laughs> in the, um, the, the third Doctor handbook, the How Sanders Walker handbook, uh, where they all write a review for every story. This was like universally panned by all three of them. I think they gave like two or three out of ten. It was it was savage, and um, I read that at an impressionable young age. So that seeped into my mind that this was a, a load of donkey crap. And then I watched it on UK Gold for a repeat and absolutely loved it. And I, I, yeah, I, I genuinely so... think that's the first time I realised that the, the printed word and what's in reality can be very different things. Well, yeah, I, I think this is something that still um, echoes down Doctor Who fandom to this day, that there's the received wisdom, like the gunfighters is rubbish. Nonsense. Um, the web planet's terrible. Nonsense. All these things. Um, the leisure and... hive's terrible. Exactly. And yeah, and because it's been written down so many times, everyone thinks it's true. But actually, if you go and watch a lot of the stories that are panned, you'll find something decent in it. I mean, I like Colony in Space these days, and oh, no one oh. likes that one. I like Colony in Space as well. Oh. I think, I think, uh, actually, I think there's some really nice direction in that and some great performances. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, all right. So we've kept people in suspense for long enough. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Doctor Who Invasion by Malcolm Holt. <laughs> we are as well. <laughs> we don't know who's invading. No, no, no. All we know is, is there is an invasion. Or at least we that's do. what the title tells us. <laughs> okay, well, I am watching um, a, a black and white version, such as my preference, and I am watching the sort of partial, quite orangey version that's now available. Um, have you ever seen the deleted scenes on uh, the DVD? Yeah, with the with the big dinosaur leg. That and why did they ever cut out the bit in episode one where the man's on the street and goes? <laughs> looking well, up it's really bizarre it's tr it's great maybe maybe yeah. it was time who knows mm -hmm. who knows well okay so let's skip into invasion in five four three two one let's go oh my here we go oh god i love these titles do you think it suits Pertwee better than Baker? Yeah, definitely. I don't, uh, well, maybe not definitely. I just love the Spears of Light at the start. They're fantastic. Did you did you know the story about um, Malcolm Holt having a massive hissy fit because they took the word? Yeah, I heard, yeah, I've read about that today. Yeah. So yeah, he, him and Terence Dix had a big falling out he for the was... only time in their friendship. He was not happy, was he? And he Terrence Dix, uh, so he wrote a letter to, uh, was it Head of Drama or something? It went quite high. Yeah, he went, yeah, to the Head of Serials or something, didn't he? Just because they, I mean, I think the suspense of taking out that word is genius. Mm-hmm. Oh, these... oh, God, I love these shots of deserted London. Uh, it's uh, really eerie. I love the idea of Paddy Russell and her cameraman doing guerrilla recording on a Sunday morning. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they managed to find all these wrecked houses and all sorts as well. It's. Do you think this is the closest the show comes to the sort of season seven um, atmosphere after season seven? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's something very not quite right about all of this. And what I really like about this episode particularly is how um, John Pertwee's doctor, who is usually in charge, usually five steps ahead of everyone else. In this episode, he's on the back foot the whole time. He doesn't know what's going on and all his usual tricks and charms don't yeah. work on anyone around him. And it's really, it's really great. After watching him like, you know, uh be kind of in bed with unit for the whole era and then like hobnobbing it with royalty on peladon etc etc to have him as like a fugitive on the run that's a really unusual approach yeah and to do that in his last series as well which you wouldn't expect you could see this uh much earlier on in his his era mm. sort of working but to do this later on when he's really cozy and and in um, sort of in bed with everything and knows where he is and has his place. That's a really good thing to do. I always think he looks a bit older in this story. Yeah, it, I don't know whether it, it's sort of he's whether 
because they've had a holiday between this and um, the Time, Time Warrior, so there was yeah. a gap in production. But I don't know whether it's just because he's deciding to leave and he's he's tired and he's worn out by it all. Something similar happens with Tom Baker, doesn't it, in season yeah. 18? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's something about the, the long-running show and just yeah. get to the point where you're just too too tired to go on. He's, he's got I think for, for Pertwee, losing losing Katie Manning was a was a big yeah. thing and that really unsettled him. Did you ever hear that story about where they went to the pub for the first time, him and Liz Sladen, and he turns around yeah. and says, what do you want, Katie? And then burst into tears. Yeah, which you can't imagine. What the hell are you supposed to say to that? Like, oh, I'm sorry. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Do you know what? In black and white, this is moody as hell. It's moody in all the shades of orange and blue that I've got here. <laughs> in all the shades of orange. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's phenomenal that we've got any colour, really. I'm... Who did the colour version? Do you know? Um, I think they they did the, they found the chroma dots on this one. Oh, okay. And yeah, sort of could process sort of the colour out of it. I do wonder whether when we get the eventual Blu-ray, whether they'll they'll colour it like Mind of Evil. They'll colour it properly and yeah, because I watched Mind of Evil this week on the Blu-ray, and the colouring job on that is terrific. Absolutely is. Is that that is that Stuart Humphreys on that one? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, he did that first episode, didn't he? And it looks amazing. It is really, really good. But you know what? Props to them, and and thank you to anyone who does this work. Because don't listen to ungrateful little shits like me to watching it in black and white. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of people that love it in colour. Mm -hmm. Can I? But ask... it is very atmospheric in black and white. Oh, it really is. I think yeah. it, it works really well. This episode. Um. I think the third Doctor and Sarah is the most underrated duo. I think they are marvellous together. And it's very different from the third Doctor and, uh, sorry, the fourth Doctor and Sarah. Yes. But I think they've got great chemistry, these two. Yeah, I think they work really well together. They're, I like the way that she she's very independent. And she can go off on her own and doesn't need to be with the doctor but she just loves being with him i the, think that's that's the dynamic he can't talk to her the way he sometimes spoke to joe because she would buy no, his nose she, off. yeah she wouldn't take that from him but also as well like uh, i'm just gonna pick out a couple of scenes like the oh i could murder a cup of tea scene in the time warrior yeah. um there's a bit in death to the daleks where he tells her to go with the the people from you know the humans because he might not come back and like cups her face and like the scene in uh at the end of planet of the spiders like they have some great character moments together yeah mm -hmm. and obviously everyone says this but liz sladen is just phenomenal isn't oh, she what a beauty yeah she's amazing See, i i was very mean about sarah jane smith for a very long time Were you? because i think because she was so popular, I took against her and thought, well, she can't be that great. And you're not one of those people, are you? Oh, I had to, I've had my moments when I was younger. Okay. Um, but it, it was um, school reunion that just, oh. I was sold. I was complete. I became a Liz Sladen fan forever after that. She was just so brilliant. Can I say, right, when Liz Sladen passed, yeah, nobody in my life, 
uh, so nobody in my family had passed until that point. Nobody had died. Mm-hmm. When Liz Sladen died, I'm not kidding you, because she had been such a fundamental part of my childhood, I cried my heart out that night. It, it's the first time I've ever felt like a massive stab of grief. I'll never, ever forget yeah. that night. I, I, I just wouldn't accept it. No, it was it was a very strange night. I was in at home on my own, um, and um, my partner Steve was out with other Doctor Who fans, and I texted him the news because I just couldn't believe it. And he said uh, they just went flat, couldn't, didn't know what to do. Terrific, wasn't it? Yeah, and even my mum rang me up to ask if I was all right because she knew my, she, um, she'd my- always been there. My ex-husband came home from work, so he worked an hour away, an hour's drive away from where we lived, and I was so inconsolable on the phone. He came home that night just to meet wow. with me. <laughs> I, I That's the impact she had on us all. Yeah, and I don't think that you should ever underestimate uh, the impact that these characters have on us as children. No. Uh, we just missed a scene oh, well. there, right, with a, a mangled car and a bloody body. Yeah, it's really nasty. What are we watching? Some some violent noir thriller. Yeah, I mean, usually in Doctor Who and in this period, cars or vans or jeeps blow up, but no one's in them. No, and you don't see injuries like that. It's very rare to see blood at all, isn't it? So when you see yeah. that, that I, I remember the bit in Spear from Space where the unit guy goes through the windscreen. Yeah. I was like, whoa! You know, like... <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it? Sometimes you just get these visceral moments where a different director comes in and yeah. it's just going to push it slightly. And I think Paddy Russell is doing that all the way through this story. Well, and and do you know what? She's doing a marvelous job of trying to take our mind off the central feature, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she distracts us quite well. Well, I, I've got a lot to say about that as well. Um, but I'll wait till they turn up. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know what's really sad is in Modern Who, you could not have this first episode. Like this first episode would have to be like the pre-title sequence. Yeah, you'd probably get, I'm going to say you'd get probably the mangled car mm-hmm. and see a dinosaur stamping round roar into the titles and boom you're off yeah. you haven't got the time to build up the atmosphere like this right and it, you know see yeah and see what's wrong and sort of escalate the stakes and sometimes that's a bit of a shame i think is, yeah everything is very fast but actually i mean this episode is not slow there's lots of incident lots going on but it's taking its time yeah even when get uh, soaked up in the atmosphere, even when they have like two episodes in the new series, that it's still quick to get to the point in the pre titles. Uh, whereas I love this the, the classic series episode ones. Okay, I'm gonna lead you to a little secret. The beginning of lockdown, I went on a bit of a binge, but I only watched episode ones because I just wanted oh, to wow. see God. like how well the suspense was generated. And honest to god, if you just watch all the episode ones, it's amazing. It's- I did that for the 50th anniversary. I chose 50 different part ones. No! Oh, wow. Up to the up to the 23rd of November. And it was really interesting because they're all so different. I did a mix of big finish and new series and old series and all sorts. Sai, you're like, my, you're like my geek brother. We are the same. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Joe. 
But you know, those those episode ones, um, and even the lesser ones, really, they just take time to set the scene, the location, introduce the characters, to 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 have a lot of fun with mood. That's what I noticed. Yeah, and this is and this episode is doing this very well. They're just wandering around trying to work out what's happened. Something has happened, but even the doctor doesn't know. And oh, do we see our first dinosaur here? I think so. Oh, my oh. God. it's the pterodactyl. Ah, here he comes! Ah, here comes! Downstairs! Clack! Clack! Oh, my word. Okay, look. Well, I'll tell you what. How are we selling this? He is not. Yeah. He never ever sends it up. He's giving it his all, even though the puppets might not be all that. He is treating it like a real Brett. <gasps> He's my God! He just literally <laughs> smashed its face through the wind through the window. No, that's that's I not know, bad. That's, that's not bad. That I like that. I like the pterodactyl. Jeez, Louise. Uh, there's a there's a yeah. moment in episode two or three. I'm not sure where it is, but when I get to it, I want to I want to point out what I think is the single greatest moment of acting in all okay. of Doctor Who. Right, I look forward to that against insurmountable odds. <laughs> ah, right well, here we go. Oh, the boss here. I was somehow even when the stakes are this high, I feel safe when the brigadier's round. Definitely. There's just something so reassuring about Nicholas Courtney. This story, which is essentially like a who who done it, or by the end it's like a who didn't do it, because everyone's doing it. Um I was like, when I first watched it, I was like, is the brigadier gonna be involved in this? Because everyone else seems to be. <laughs> never the brigadier. He would never do that. He's always right. But wouldn't that be a phenomenal twist? Like that would floor the whole of fandom. That would have changed everything forever. So maybe there's like a, a, a cut scene of him at the end, like putting away the dossiers and like, oh, I will, next time I'll get away with it. <laughs> no, not the Brigadier. Uh, so you've got, um, oh, good grief. What's his name? John Bennett? No. Is that John Bennett, yeah. yeah. And he's terrific in this as well. Like, Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, I don't know whether you sense he's a Roman from the start because he's got a bit of a, a bit of a fractious I reckon, relationship with the Brigadier. I reckon you do, and I reckon you do with Sir Charles Grover as well, who's so nice. Oh, now you see, when I saw it first, I was completely taken in by him, <laughs> even though I'd read the book years ago. I'd completely forgotten that he was. Oh. No, he was a traitor, and it always that bit where he turns around in the lift with, with the gun later on. That always <laughs> oh, but I think the thing that really got me when I first watched this was my yays. Yeah, uh, it, it's funny for me. I think mean, because for years, I mean, I saw this um, story first around my 18th birthday, and I've been watching Doctor Who since I was four, and buying Doctor Who magazines since I was five. Okay, so sort of through that you get to know sort of rough story beats and invasion of the dinosaurs was always the one where mike yates turns bad right so you i always knew that oh, even before i'd read the book i didn't have a clue i don't think going in I, I, I for some reason i did not know <laughs> so it really really threw me i was like what that wet fish 
He's one of the villains. Yeah, who'd have thought it? Oh, they're really cheeky here, Sai, Look, when they're having their pictures taken. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Go for this. But again, this is a great scene where, again, the doctors say, oh, I'm the scientific advisor of units. Um, you can't arrest me. Call the brigadier. And he, and they just said, that's very interesting. Yeah. Oh, no, well, that's the next scene, isn't it? Where they, he they does get, that. They get the man who's like, he goes, oh, I found it. See, that criminal is like, I found it. I, I, don't know, mm -hmm. I was just... And then the doctor says straight afterwards, oh, I found it. And they're like, yeah, that's really original, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice seeing him on the back foot, isn't it? And and they do yeah. it again in episode five when he's on the run. And I love how, how Sarah Jane just tries to emulate the doctor by, by, with the big smiles, but she's not quite so convinced by it. She knows something is wrong. She's nervous, isn't she? And yeah. it's, it's such subtle acting from Liz Sladen, as always. I always say she just, she um, puts an extra layer in every scene she's in. Yes. Like, I know some companions that phone in some of their performances. Liz Sladen is always thinking, what is my part in this scene and what can I add yeah. to it? I do like this criminal bloke. I wish um, I wish he'd hung around a bit, actually. Yeah, because he's got quite a, a nice spiky relationship with the Doctor that could have could have played off quite nicely. Oh, they did that that routine, didn't they? You're the knock, aren't you? Yeah, you. It was you what grasped <laughs> with John Pertwee doing one of his um, thousand voices or whatever. His <laughs> Cockney accents, yeah. Okay, I've got a question for you. Do you think it's a shame that this was Matt Hulk's last contribution? Because I would have loved to have seen what he would have done with the fourth Doctor. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I can't imagine what he would have... <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's crashed through a house. It's <gasps> the big man T-Rex in his full glory. Whoa. <laughs> Those girders don't have a hope. No. That's it. They can try and blast at him. He is, he's a big bugger. Mm hmm Okay. Can I make a comment about the dinosaurs? You can. Okay. They are they are uh, naively shot and and uh, designed. What I love about them, yeah, is the effort that they put into making the mini sets around them. To make them yeah, look like they fit in. Around them is is phenomenally good. Like so, I almost don't They're look at the dinosaurs. Wrong, I, I look at the them. sets. There's one bit where he walks past one of those little, you know, where you cross the road and it's got like the little lights blinking. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, they've made a natural cra you know, traffic crossing. <laughs> it's so cute. And some of them aren't so bad i think the brontosaurus isn't so bad and i think um, the stegosaurus isn't so bad as well yeah that yeah and the triceratops isn't too bad either is it on the um oh yeah on the platform in, in, the, underground. in the underground it's dark isn't it so you can kind of obscure. yeah you can't see it so well maybe so the biggest trouble is probably the central feature and that's the the huge nostriled tyrannosaurus rex and he has got massive nostrils. He certainly has. We were talking, weren't we, off mic about um, the, the the scenes that were cut from this story. Oh, no, was it on yeah. mic? I can't remember now. 
I think it was off mic, wasn't it? They dared to cut out sequences of looking up at the at the Tyrannosaurus Rex from Mike Yates's point of view. Fabulous. <laughs> but in all seriousness, does this take you out of the story? The fact that the special effects are particularly special. I'm. I always sort of err on the side of. I can see what they were trying to do. And they might not have pulled it off, but they tried. And I'd much rather they push themselves to do something rather than play it safe. Because they could have done a man in a rubber suit yeah. like they did in the Silurians, course, which yeah. doesn't look great. Or the Merca, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I always admire the ambition that the visual effects guys have got. And they don't always get it right, no. but they always give it their best shot. And there was the potential, wasn't there? Because I think in Carnival of Monsters, they do pull off puppetry really rather well. Yeah, and in the Green Death with the maggots as yeah. well. So you've got, they, they've tried it. Yeah. And so they're, they say, yeah, we can do this. They're confident. And yeah. then it doesn't quite work out as well as they expect. And I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Doctor Who, in its production, should always be ambitious. Always. Definitely. I think that's one of the things we kind of secretly love about it now is that it was overly ambitious at times, you know? Yeah, and there are there are periods of Doctor Who where they do play it safe and they think, we know what we can do and we're just going to do this. Mm. I think in many ways the Hinchcliffe years do that where they say, right, we we know how to make Doctor Who and so we're going to do yeah. it like this because we know we can do it. They wouldn't have done this. Hinchcliffe wouldn't have, wouldn't they, have made this, I don't think. No, he'd have said, no, we can't, this won't work. Is that the better approach, though, of, like, limiting yes. your, like, the, your, your, your the, the scale of your ambition? It's a really interesting question. I think we could debate that all Probably. night because yeah. the Hinchcliffe years obviously were incredibly popular mm. and still are. But I have, I've also heard an argument that they're also a little bit cliched and not especially ambitious in, in their scale and their scope and... You know, yeah, because you compare it to, to Graham Williams coming in afterwards, oh, who's going yeah. to go for grand space opera and Literally. fatty women and and all of this. And that's my wheelhouse. Like Graham Williams is yeah. my favourite era of classic Who. I love the and imagination fun. and oh, and yours as well. Yeah, I forgot. Like for creativity, it's just mind expanding. Yeah, and again, he doesn't always pull it off, but he always gives it a go. I was talking and to. I'd much rather um, they did that because otherwise the series doesn't develop and they don't learn yeah. how to do all these things. Otherwise, it just means anything that comes afterwards, uh, and I'm not including the big years, but after that, it feels a little unambitious, you know. Like, yes, at times. Um, no, I was talking to um, Stephen B from New to Who uh, today, and you know what? Marvelously, he came to Doctor Who through the targets. Um, oh wow! So he sees the series how he read them in the targets so he doesn't see oh, wow. the dinosaurs for what they are he sees what his mind created when he was younger oh, i think that's a marvelous approach to that's watching a Doctor great way of doing it isn't it oh here we go oh. he's giving it his voices sigh you're the knock aren't you no it was you what grass <laughs> <laughs> come on on your Hi. feet Hi. Oh my god, that's proper punches. It is. 
like almost if you didn't have the dinosaurs in this 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 probably would pass for like just a contemporary drama wouldn't it yeah very much so oh my word one of my favorite moments comes up in a minute oh blimey oh nice bit of escaping here isn't it the bit where he comes through the wall the dinosaur it's so good <laughs> Um, I would like, if you would, if you're willing, uh, if you could just do an impression of the T-Rex, please. Roar! <laughs> Roar! Well, your viewers can't see that I have come clacked up today. So. You have. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to say, hang on, hold that up again. Come on, let's let's do some marketing here. Right. <laughs> sorry, we'll just go silent while Joe's <laughs> yeah, sorry. sorry. It's a fabulous T-shirt, though. Oh, uh, so that's be cool. Oh, they've stolen the detention center jeep. Oh dear. I don't know if that man is a little bit wooden. Ready for the detention <laughs> center then? No, he's not great, is he? Do you know something else that literally is like putting a comfy blanket around my shoulders, listening to Dudley Simpson music? Definitely. Oh, I love yeah. I love Dudley Simpson, and he writes a lot of music for this story. He just goes for it. Again, I wonder if that was because they felt there was a deficiency in the story, oh, and yeah. so he needed to jolly this up. up and yeah. More, yeah, make it a bit more menacing. So you do have them, don't you? You have the, the, the director, the, mu the musician, the actors. Oh, my word. <gasps> Raw. That was a cliffhanger, but they probably should have cut it about 15 seconds earlier has he got drool coming out of his mouth yeah he has oh dirty bucker mm -hmm. honestly well i thought that was fabulous that episode just rattles past it's one of my favorite individual